Our second lesson today comes from the letter to the Romans. During the month of July, I preached a brief series uh, from Romans 8. Our lectionary um, into August continues with the book of Romans, and I'm going to do two sermons, one today and one next Sunday from Romans 12. So listen now for God's word as it comes from the first few verses of Romans 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The word of the Lord. On another summer Sunday, we find ourselves in this familiar spot, this sacred space, our sanctuary, and we seek to connect our lives to God and to one another. We gather for worship. Worship is where we attempt to leave the fast-paced world behind and engage our lives with God's life. Worship is when we seek to orient our lives in God and think afresh about the course of our lives and discern how faithfully we're living. Worship. Our text for this morning, and I just read a few verses of it, I'll read the full text in just a minute, is really about rooting our lives in God and in God's life. The Apostle Paul urges us, as you heard, Brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed. So when we come into this wonderful space, joining our lives with all those who've come before us, joining our hearts with all those from across the ages and around the world who seek to orient their lives. And God, when we come into this space, we're seeking to present our lives before God and be transformed, which is our spiritual worship. Well, not too long ago, a newspaper columnist asked, just what is really going on in worship? Just what is going on when God's faithful sit in the pews? Just what's going on in their hearts and in their minds as they worship on Sunday? And this is what he concluded. Well, 42.6% are thinking about the cup of coffee that they consumed on the way to worship and are wondering just now, maybe they shouldn't have had that cup of coffee. 5.3% are clicking their molars with the tip of their tongues trying to dislodge that small piece of bacon or that little piece of breakfast cereal. 59.3% are beginning to check their watches every two minutes, calculating the amount of time left in the service and the declining minutes to the top of the hour. are engaged in some internal debate about lunch. Is it going to be salad or burgers? Is it going to be buffet or brunch today? 78.2% want to introduce themselves to the couple sitting nearby in the pew, but they hesitate because they're afraid the so-called new couple has, has already belonged to the church for several years now. 
And 97.8% agree with the sermon and agree with its title and are absolutely confident that the message applies to somebody else. So we seek to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. We come into worship to engage our hearts with one another and engage with God, but, but clearly there's a whole lot else going on, right? This reminds me of C.S. Lewis and his writing in the book Screwtape Letters. The devil in Screwtape Letters is talking about God's faithful people. And he says that he's always wringing his hands in glee and saying, Now, this is an achievement. They are all busy, God's people, making all kinds of decisions and choices about all kinds of things that do not matter. They're all busy and they're preoccupied with all kinds of thoughts and ideas. They are terminally distracted. And that, you see, would be a victory for the devil. When I was growing up, there was a plaque that hung in the kitchen area of my home. And there were two sentences on this plaque. What we are is God's gift to us. What we become is our gift to God. I think this is the point of both our scripture texts for this day. And I want to read the letter to Romans from chapter 12 in full now, verses 1 through 8, and I want to read them from a contemporary translation in hopes that they'll sink in for all of us. Listen now again. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your eating, sleeping, going to work, and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for God. Don't get so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed. Changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what God wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. I'm speaking to you, says Paul, out of deep gratitude for all that God has given me, especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you. Living then as one of you does, as every one of you does in pure grace, it's important that you not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what He does for us, not by what we are or what we do for Him. In this way, we're like the various parts of the human body, he continues. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and our function as a part of Christ's body. But as a chopped off finger or a cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something that we aren't. If you preach, 
just preach the gospel message. Nothing else. If you help, just help. Don't take over. If you teach, stick to your teaching. If you give encouraging guidance, be careful that you don't get bossy. If you're put in charge, don't manipulate. If you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. If you work with the disadvantaged, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them. Keep a smile on your face. This is the word of the Lord. I think that this passage is telling us that finally it's all about God. Deo Gloria, in fact. What we are is God's gift to us. And what we become of ourselves is our gift to God. And we are called to be about, according to these sacred and wonderful texts, we're called to be about living our lives with and for God in all things. In all things. So how do you think you're doing that? How well do you think you're doing that today, this week, this season of your life? Psalm 124, which Vernon read a moment ago, reminds us what we easily forget. If it had not been that the Lord was on our side, we would have been swallowed up. The flood would have swept us away, either literally or figuratively. Blessed be the Lord, the psalmist says, who has not given us over to suffering and death. Our help, our help is always in the name of the Lord, the psalmist says. We often forget that. I love the way one theologian puts it. Every day we wake up into a world that we did not make. The morning starts without us. Every morning we step out of bed into a life that is absolutely given to us. We put on clothes that we didn't make. We eat food that we didn't grow. We drink coffee or juice from trees that we didn't plant. We move through the day and bountiful opportunities come our way. And they really are all gifts to us. What the scriptures affirm is that life is a gift. What we are is God's gift to us. So what do we do with that gift? That's really the ongoing question of every day, even every moment of every day. What do we do with all these gifts that God gives? It's easy to live with indifference, directed, distracted, by many other things. It's easy not to think about God, as the psalmist reminds us, to just go along and get along. And yet Paul says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. That is your worship, spiritual worship. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your eating, sleeping, going to work, everywhere life, and place it before God as an offering every day. Every day. I read this week the personal statement from the Reverend Herbert Nelson. Herbert Nelson serves as the director of the Presbyterian Church USA Office of Public Witness in Washington. On July 28th of this year, Herbert Nelson, along with a number of other faith leaders, was arrested in the Capitol 
building rotunda while kneeling in prayer and praying for our congressional leaders. Writing on that very day, this is what he says. Today, we were guilty of one charge, the proclamation of social righteousness. That's one of the great ends of the church in our Constitution. Our nation, he says, is in a political morass. Elected officials in Washington seem unable to work together for the good of all people in the U.S. and across the globe. Our communal well-being is compromised by the self-interest of political leaders, he writes. I'm convinced that this is not the fault of any one political party. Too many congresspersons of all parties are trapped where commitment to common good is diminished for the sake of personal gain and the seduction of power. Simply put, these men and women are conduits for corporate power and many vacillate between God and mammon. In the process, the American people and others from across the globe are left to suffer and fight for the crumbs that fall from the rich man's table. That's an image from a story that Jesus tells. While corporations and wealthy people are protected by tax loopholes, the middle class is eroding and the roles of poverty and joblessness are expanding. Grandparents on fixed incomes are paying mortgages for their children and private education for their grandchildren. Foreclosures are continuing and homelessness is reaching unbelievable numbers as many who were once considered middle class middle class are now homeless or one paycheck away from living on the streets he writes my call to be arrested is united with the challenge that god gives to all of us to break through the mess of political spin church leaders and all people of god cannot stand idly by while people lose their homes have to withdraw their kids from college, live in fear that social security checks will not be delivered, search tirelessly for jobs to support their families, and watch their kids grow up without opportunities, end quote. Nelson is reminding all of us, finally, friends, it's about God. It is about God and what God calls us to be about. What we are is God's gift to us. What we become is our gift to God and what our society becomes is our gift to God. You may recall the name Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Soon after this famous uh, Russian novelist and dissident arrived in this country from Russian exile in the mid-1970s, he was invited to make the commencement address at Harvard at their graduation ceremonies. Thousands gathered to hear Solzhenitsyn, this famous novelist, speak. Everyone expected him to denounce the totalitarian Soviet regime and to celebrate the freedom and tolerance and prosperity of the West. Instead, Solzhenitsyn caught the crowd off guard with a speech, a speech that denounced Western civilization's moral lassitude and spiritual poverty. His talk that day in 1978, to everyone's surprise, was deeply and thoroughly religious. It was a talk about God. It was a talk about life of faith in the presence of God. This is part of what he said, and I quote, On the way from the Renaissance to our days, we have enriched our experience 
but we have lost the concept of a supreme, complete entity which used to restrain our passions and our irresponsibility. We have placed too much hope on political and social reforms only to find out that we were being deprived of our most precious possession, our spiritual life. In the East, it was destroyed by the dealing and the machinations of the ruling party. In the West, commercial interests and personal pursuits tend to suffocate it. This is the real crisis, end quote. See, it's all about God. What we are is God's gift to us. What we become is our gift to God. Tomorrow morning, we're all going to wake up into a new day that God gives each of us. In many ways, it'll be just like every other day. We'll rouse ourselves out of bed and we'll set about the familiar morning routine. We'll squeeze the same amount of toothpaste on the toothbrush. We'll fill the coffin maker to the appropriate levels. We'll fix a familiar breakfast, whatever it might be. We'll move into the day and perhaps we'll take our daily walk or we'll drive the same route to wherever we are going. We'll encounter some of the same familiar people. We'll go through the day on autopilot, checking our email, getting chores done, going to meetings, seeing people, greeting others, whatever, whatever comes our way. But folks, if we can tune in and if we can tune up just a bit, if we can think about life, our life in the presence of God as an offering to God, life lived fully every moment before God, serving God in every moment, if we can move from autopilot to a little more intentional faithfulness, then we just might enter into that deeper world where God is truly present, where we, we can become effective instruments of God's work, where God can be seen and trusted, where we can find ways to love, love God and love those who we encounter. Do not be conformed to the world, Paul says. Be transformed by living life with and for God. So let's commit again. As we go from this place today, let's commit to seeking to embody God's love. In all the moments of our lives, let's seek to embody God's presence, God's help, God's joy, God's justice, working on God's kingdom in small ways and big ways as we respond to God's calling so that we can promote the light and the hope and the joy and the kingdom. Of Jesus Christ our Lord, this is our calling. What we are is God's gift to us. What we become is our gift to God. It's all about God. Alleluia. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, to turn from you is to fall. To turn to you is to rise. To abide with you, to worship and serve you. That's to stand forever. We seek to go that way, following Jesus Christ, Christ our Lord. Amen.